You're listening to South Florida Journal. I'm Marissa Chofi. And I'm Max Maldonado. Remember to follow South Florida Journal on Instagram and Twitter at SoFloJournal. And for behind-the-scenes footage and more, follow us on Snapchat at official underscore SFJ. This week, we continue a periodic feature with Dr. Ada Sarajadini, Dean of the FAU College of Science. Ask a Scientist uses the methods of science to help us better understand stories making South Florida headlines. In this edition, Dean Sarajadini focuses on algal blooms, which typically have been a problem for Florida's west coast and inland waterways. But for several days last fall, red tide made its way to Broward, Palm Beach, and adjacent counties. Officials closed beaches from Miami to Port St. Lucie after visitors along the shoreline reported respiratory difficulties. At the same time, Researchers at FAU's Harbor Branch found that Treasure Coast residents were breathing in toxins from blue-green algal blooms further inland. But scientists needed more data before they could say anything definitive about health risks. And last month, University of Miami researchers reported high levels of the neurotoxin BMAA in deceased dolphins exposed to blue-green algae off of Florida's east coast. This most recent discovery has left residents disturbed and concerned about algal bloom's other possible effects. Dr. William Lauda is a research professor with FAU's Environmental Sciences Program. Dr. Lauda has been monitoring algal blooms in Lake Okeechobee and has reported data he terms environmentally uncomfortable. Dr. Lauda recently sat down with Dean Sarajadini and told him more about his work. He also addressed concerns about algal bloom's effects on South Floridians. Dr. Lauda, welcome. Well, thanks for having me. It's a very important topic that's hitting the public nowadays. I'd like to begin by having you tell us a little bit about the different types of algae that are out there in South Florida and their characteristics. Okay, well, the, obviously the, the vast majority of people have heard of the red tide, which is Karenia brevis. That's a dinoflagellate that comes up every year out in the Gulf of Mexico, and it's a toxic algae. Uh, it uh, has caused a lot of respiratory distress when the wind blows and gets up in the air and gets carried with the water vapor. And the other one is of, uh, that most people know about is the blue-green algae bloom in Lake Okeechobee that also comes out of Lake Okeechobee, flows east down the St. Lucie Canal into the St. Lucie Estuary and around Martin County in, in there, and then out, out to the west down through the Caloosahatchee into uh, the Sarasota area down in there and causes... Uh, problems as well. It, it also is toxic if you drink the water from there. And the other one that a lot of people in Martin County and around the Indian River Lagoon know about is also brown tide, uh, which is orumbria. All three of these can cause fish kills. The majority of fish kills are caused by all this algae generating this organic matter. This organic matter is then being eaten by bacteria and other things that are using up the oxygen in the water to do this metabolism of this organic matter. So the oxygen level goes to zero. Unfortunately, the fish need oxygen. They die. Of those three types of blooms, Dr. Lauda, which one is most important for us to know about on the western coast of Florida? On the west coast of Florida would be the red tide. Okay, that's coming out of the Gulf of Mexico. The current hypothesis is that uh, it comes up every year when the temperatures get correct out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. And it may be there in small numbers, but if another organism, trichodesmia, which is a uh, so-called nitrogen-fixing blue-green algae, what that nitrogen-fixing means is that it can use nitrogen gas and turn it into the nitrogen types that we think of as fertilizers, ammonia, nitrate, things like that, okay? And then 
this usable nitrogen then spurs the growth more of the red tide. Then pushing this hypothesis or observations further is that trichodesmia seems to really get going in response to iron that's coming over from Africa onto dust plumes. So because all organisms need iron, iron is what moves the electrons around inside a cell. Okay, so in the center of the Gulf of Mexico, the center of all the oceans tend to be iron poor. So when you get an, an input of iron, things tend to really get moving. They can use it, and they turn themselves on. So you have this iron that's helping the trichodesmia. The trichodesmia is making the nitrogen. The nitrogen is then feeding the Karenia, the red tide. Now, if the winds and the loop current in the Gulf are correct, it will move the mass of the red tide close to shore. Once it does that, the red tide's got all the nutrients it needs because of man over-fertilizing the world. All of the nitrogen and phosphorus that we're putting into the waters causes this to bloom. Okay, then when the wind picks up and it gets in the surf, you can have uh, the toxins in the water and, it, and the algae itself get blown into the air and it exacerbates people that have asthma and other breathing problems. And also, it can cause skin irritations and all sorts of other things, eye irritation, burning, burning throats. For even for people without asthma, get a lot of respiratory distress. So that's pretty much the story on the red tide on the west coast. Now, for it to get over here on the east coast like it did in 2018, as the loop current moves around and is moving the stuff down the coast from north to the south down the west coast of Florida, and if it makes it far enough down, it can get entrained in what's called the Florida current that goes between Key West and Cuba. As it moves to the east, then it goes into the Gulf Stream. Normally, when this happens, it stays in the Gulf Stream, goes out to the central Atlantic Ocean, and bothers nobody. But in 2018, we had weeks of strong easterly winds that pushed the waters towards the shore out of the Gulf Stream, brought the red tide close to shore, and again, it ran into more nutrients and took off. So now we had a red tide on the east coast of Florida. I'd like to have the listeners hear about how the blue-green algae that originates in Lake Okeechobee works and the observations, you know, and the explanation of that. Okay, well, that the blue-green algae bloom, which is actually a cyanobacterium, it's Microcystis originosa. This is the one that I'm actually studying and my students are studying. It's been out there for quite a while. We've had blooms in the early 2000s, and, and then we had one in 2016 and one in 2018. The story with Lake Okeechobee is that back in the 90s, I was working with the South Florida Water Management, and we were studying out there, and what we were getting was nitrogen-fixing cyanobacteria because there wasn't enough nitrogen for the algae to really take off and bloom, but there was a lot of phosphorus pollution. So anabena and aphemenazon, two other blue-green algae forms, were the ones that bloomed. Okay, and they never got to the point of where this one currently is going, the blue-green algae bloom now. Okay, so as soon as I heard it was microcystis blooming, I knew that we had both nitrogen and phosphorus problem because microcystis needs nitrogen, so we've got a nitrogen problem. Now we get back out and we start monitoring uh, the nitrogen and the phosphorus sources, where are they coming from? And uh, microcystis, once it gets blooming, during the day, it'll be up in the upper water column, and as it gets more and more growth, it actually, it, it's a single-celled organism, but it forms this gelatinous clump, and it traps its own gases, the uh, oxygen that it's making, and it floats up on the surface and makes this scum. It's doing that to get more light. 
We need to look at iron. We need to look at nitrogen. We need to look at uh, phosphorus. What is the key that turns this bloom on? So we need to start putting meteorological data, chemical data, biological data together and find out what's going on and then see what we can do. Algae need three things. They need light, they need nutrients, and they need the correct temperature. Our form of microcystis seems to like much warmer temperatures. Going back to the blue-green algal bloom, it does not need to stay in the water to be moved from point A to point B. There is an agricultural pond in central western Palm Beach County that has cattle around it. These cattle do their business in the water, which raises the nutrient level. So I'm driving home one day, and I see this stuff in the water, and I went, wait a minute, my science is coming to where I live. So I analyzed it. It was microcystis originosa. I tested the toxins. It was toxic. I told the owner, I said, get your cattle, put a fence around here, get your cattle away from this water. He didn't believe me for a week and a half until his first cow died. Then he put the fence up. And how did it get there? Waterfowl and ducks moving from one infected area to another infected area had the algae in their feathers. So given the state of scientific knowledge today, what can you tell our listeners about the state of algae in South Florida? Some of the health aspects of these uh, harmful algal blooms, the HABs, uh, Harbor Branch Oceanographic has where they're actually studying, starting to put together the effects of the blue-green algal blooms on people. Now, one of them in blue-green algae, this one hasn't been shown yet. We need to start analyzing BMAA, beta-methyl-aminoarginine, which is an amino acid that is thought, thought, not proven, but thought to bring on Alzheimer's. The other one is that the blue-green algae in the water, the microcystin LR toxin that it produces is a strong liver toxin, carcinogen, and that's what causes the death of the cattle. It wasn't cancer that killed it. It killed them by goofing the liver up so badly. Brevitoxin out of the red tide also is a toxin that people don't want to get. So the main thing with both of these blooms is don't drink the water. Okay, if the bloom is there, stay out of the water. They put the warning signs up for a reason, and the reason is it's dangerous to your health. This toxic material is around, and, it's, and you've got to watch it. The way things are going, the way man is polluting the earth, not just with blue-green algae, but other things, because anything we put down in the toilet, all the pharmaceuticals also get out of the water. Any water in your home that you drink, if you're using city water, I would have a filter. Maintain it. Change it whenever the manufacturer says it should be changed. Our guest today has been Dr. William Loud of Florida Atlantic University, Department of Chemistry and Biochemistry. Thank you very much, Bill. Well, thank you for having me, and I hope we can get a handle on this algal bloom problem. You've been listening to South Florida Journal. I'm Marissa Chofi. And I'm Max Maldonado.